What's up, JavaScript and TypeScript devs? This is Zach, and you're listening to the Dino Developer Show. With your JavaScript and or TypeScript skills, you can write server-side code in Dino, a fast and secure JavaScript and TypeScript runtime. On this show, I talk about going from a novice in server-side code and Dino to a productive and secure backend developer. So listen in as we demystify server-side programming and secure your confidence with Dino. Hey, hey now, everybody. It's been a while, and I'm happy to say I'm bringing this podcast back. When I halted producing this podcast back in late 2022, um, I wasn't really sure of the direction of it, and I needed to attend to other things, to be honest, related to contract work. But now I'm doing it again. I have some ideas I'm building, and I'm using Dino. And I thought I'd share my experiences and like share and talk about things that are new and upcoming for Dino. And also, I have been kicking around some ideas on how I'd like to expand this show. But whatever the case, it'll still be doing how I've done this show in the past, which is very similar to how I'm doing another show right now podcast, which is the TensorFlow Developer Show. It's a podcast about AI, ML, DL, and TensorFlow. So if any of those interest you, go check that out. But the philosophy is basically just talking about concepts, occasionally bringing on guests, and putting things into layman's terms. Okay. And I do this because whenever I first started learning JavaScript, uh, back in 2018/19, I loved listening to specifically JavaScript and web dev related podcasts. I even listened to them more than UX and design uh, product design podcasts, which is where actually like I started my career. <laughs> but anyway, I would listen to these shows and it was great. However, like back then, like as a beginner, I would have to look up all of these concepts and it, it made sense because I was a beginner. I was totally new to it, right? So it makes sense that I had to look up all these concepts. However, it would have been really nice if that the hosts of that, those shows or, you know, the guests that they had on would take just a little extra time sometimes and explain some of these concept these concepts, these and a lot of times it's it's jargon. It, it would just be nice if it was explained a little bit further, especially for somebody that's newer coming in. All right, so I want to open this up a little bit more for somebody that's new to all of this. They come to listen to this show and they understand the gist of what's going on. All right, all that said, I have one last housekeeping item before I get to the meat of this, this show today which is you can expect to hear from me every Tuesday again. This is the same day that I release the TensorFlow Developer Show episodes. So if you're also interested in that, go check that out. Again, that's all about artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning, and TensorFlow, which is a 
open source machine learning framework uh, originally developed by Google and still maintained by Google, but it is, you know, as I said, open source as well. So yeah, if you're interested in that, go check that out as well. It's kind of cool stuff. But now for the first episode back, I thought it would be good to talk quickly about some of the moves slash releases Dino has put out that are exciting in 2023, which are setting the foundations for what's to come in 2024 as it relates to Dino. And then from there, I'd also like to you know briefly talk about those, but then move and talk specifically about one of them a little bit more in depth here. So I won't go over all of what happened in 2023, but maybe some of the more exciting things, at least the ones I think are exciting. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Dino has been making some exciting product moves. Now, the runtime itself has made some improvements since we've last talked. Right now, the software is at version 1.40. Last time we talked, back in 2022, the software, the release was version 1.25, if I'm not mistaken. Also, the company has been talking a bit about a version 2.0 release, which is really cool stuff. And Dina has been really making moves to become a viable vendor so you can build your next SaaS faster and more easily. So some of the things that are helping do that are we've mentioned in the past or maybe not. I don't think we have actually never had an episode about Fresh. Fresh is a SSR framework utilizing Preact and takes pride in only serving or sending JavaScript that is absolutely needed at the client, on the client. So yeah, and it is fast, man. It is nice. But if you're very interested in still using React or, you know, personally, I like Svelte, but (laughs) if you're interested in that, you could still do that. Or if you just want to use HTML, you know, a templating agent or engine like EJS or LiquidJS or, you know, whatever your heart's desire, you can still do that as well. They have also have their own deploy service called Dina Deploy. I know we've definitely talked about that in the past. They have been building out some separate things like Dino Cron, Dino KV, queues, and subhosting to make the developer experience of building JavaScript and TypeScript powered apps easier and faster. This is staying true to the company's philosophy of making it easier to make and build software, which is really cool, right? They're, they're really staying true to their goal. So let's dive into one of these now. And today we're going to be talking about Dino KV. Dino KV is a data storage solution. And as the name suggests, it is based off of key value pairs. So JavaScript and TypeScript fans, devs, excuse me, should feel right at home. And you'll soon find out how Dino went the extra mile to do so. Is this the best solution for everything? No, obviously not. But you're looking if you're looking for a simple key value store solution that is ACID compliant, and if you're using Dino or 
another JavaScript runtime that can utilize NPM, then it's absolutely worth a look. I personally haven't used it yet, but I'm excited for it after like doing this research on it. Uh, I am going to need something like it based off of the project that I'm working on and the next one that I'm going to be working on. So I anticipate definitely using it this year very soon. So first I want to talk about very quickly why the Dino team decided to build a database solution. Yet another one. According to them, and this is quoting them from one of their articles, quote, a very simple problem we heard from many customers. Unless your app's data is globally distributed, you won't be able to make use the performance benefits you get by distributing your compute. All right. This then led to design design decisions around it. So they decided it needs to be scalable. It needs to be very performant. It needs to be JavaScript native that uses JavaScript types, atomic transactions, and then lastly, something that'll work locally as well as globally, right? According to them, they build an abstraction layer on top of FoundationDB. If you're not familiar with FoundationDB, it's Apple's open source distribution database used in uh, iCloud and by Snowflake. And so Dino team calls this layer that they created the transaction layer. So that's one of the special things that makes it JavaScript native. All right, so some things to note about Dino KV. For one, it's definitely built right into the runtime, which is really nice. You can access it via the dino.kv namespace. Also, something to note is that as of this recording, it is February 2024. Dino KV is still in beta. So yes, you'll need to use the Dino unstable flag in order to use it when running your application. Also, when it comes to data consistency, it is actually flexible. So you as the developer have control over if you want faster reads and you know maybe you're okay with potentially getting back, quote, stale data initially, then you can get uh, data in a, with a setting of eventually instead of the most updated data that's actually going to be obviously slower. Uh, and then a couple other things I found interesting were that Dino KV is actually available in Node. So as I mentioned earlier, you don't need to be using Dino in order to, you know, access Dino KV. They have the Dino team has made a Node module. So as long as you are able to utilize npm, so then you can use. Dino KV. So if you're using Node, then all you need to do is access the uh, Dino KV NPM module. Nice. And then last to note, before I get into like talking about the comparisons of other solutions out there, it's cool because Dino at least claims that it is a zero config solution, right? Very much the same as the runtime which is awesome. <laughs> All right. 
So as I mentioned, we're gonna talk about how this stacks up to others. I'm taking this information from Dino itself. Uh, again, I have not been able to play with KV just yet. I definitely plan to in the near future, but uh, Dino did their own comparison with Dino to other serverless database solutions like Upstack, Redis, AWS, DynamoDB, Google Firestore, and Cloudflare Workers KV. You can find that article link in the show notes. By the way, they also go over their approach and methodology for testing, so I recommend checking that out. All right, so they looked at pricing and then they looked at read-write latencies, excuse me. So in layman's terms though, that means how long does it take to do the thing and then complete the request, all right? I won't go over everything, but according to Dino's own tests, they were pretty close in performance whenever uh, looking at like Upstack Redis when it came to like read and write operations. Dino winning writes and then Upstack Redis winning reads. And in both scenarios, they weren't really winning by much. Like they were pretty neck and neck for the most part. But whenever looking at Firestore, Dynamo, and Cloudflare, uh, they those three were pretty close to each other. However, they were much slower whenever it came to reading in comparison to Dino and Upstash. And then whenever looking at, again, those three again, so the Firestore, Dynamo, and Cloudflare, in terms of write operations, Cloudflare was the slowest and Firestore wasn't far behind. When it comes to pricing, however, Dino just comes out and write, they just say it. Um, they are pretty much middle of the pack whenever it comes to all of these solutions. And then AWS, DynamoDB, and Google Firestore are the cheapest. And Upstash, Upstash, excuse me, Redis is the most expensive, especially whenever you're looking at more like Upstash Global. So yeah, something to consider there. Um, I think they were pretty honest, but I, for one, would definitely go and check out their approach and methodology. Uh, how they perform these tests. I know there are some other articles out there regarding, you know, Dino KV's performance versus the Upstash Redis performance and et cetera. So do your own research, but this is what Dino is claiming for themselves. But all of that said, it still sounds like a very cool solution and I'm excited and interested to actually get my, get my hands on it and start writing some code with it uh, for with, within this new project that I'm working on. And that concludes this episode of the Dino Developer Show. Thank you so much for listening. I'm happy to be back doing this. If you're looking for things JavaScript, TypeScript, and or Dino related on Twitter, excuse me, X, you can follow me at Z-A-C-H underscore A-U-T-H-V-O-W. That's Zach underscore Othbow. Z-A-C-H underscore 
A-U-T-H-B-O-W. And as always, if you enjoy this show, give it a follow or interview on your podcast platform of choice. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Reason, and Amazon Music, and I'm sure a whole bunch more. My name is Zach, and I'll talk to you next time.